Greetings, and welcome to Etzheim's weekly podcast, recorded live in Richardson, Texas. We invite you now to join us for one of our synagogue's Shabbat messages. Well, Shabbat Shalom. We are in a series on the book of Philippians. Today is part five of that series. And today we're going to look at the theme of pressing on in Messiah Yeshua. So turn with me, if you will, to Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. Philippians 3, verse 7 to 14. And Paul says this, But wherever, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Messiah. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Messiah Yeshua, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Messiah and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Messiah, a righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Messiah. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Messiah has taken hold of me. Brothers and sisters, Paul says, uh, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining forward toward what's ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. In Messiah Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Now, now we know the power of, of intense focus. Uh, for example, uh, the super intensely focused laser beam, uh, it can burn a hole in a diamond. It can carry billions of TV signals all at once. Uh, and the more intensely focused a light is, the more the power. Uh, and that's what a laser is. Uh, laser light differs from regular light uh, in two ways. First, regular, regular light goes in every direction at once. Uh, you turn on a light switch, and, and the whole room, all over the place, fills up. Laser light, in contrast, it's gathered up on, and it's put out in just one direction only. Second, regular light operates uh, on a number of frequencies, but laser light is, is pushed and pressed forcefully to operate at just one frequency. And what that means is the power of intense focus is, is when a broad spectrum of something, uh, it's gathered up and it's force, forcefully pushed towards a single goal. And the result is tremendous power. Now here in Philippians, Paul's talking about what it means to be a Yeshua follower and to walk in the Spirit. And in verses, both verses 12 and 14, he uses this word press. He says in Philippians 3 verse 12, I press on. To take hold of that for which Messiah Yeshua took hold of me. Now, interestingly, this very same Greek word used here in verses 12 and 14 to mean press is also used up in verse 6, but there it's translated persecute. Look at Philippians 3 verse 6 as for zeal persecuting uh, the body of Messiah. So in verse 6, Paul says, I persecuted the Yeshua followers. But here in verses 12 and 14, the same word is translated, I press, sorry, press on. So the question is this, what kind of word could serve both contexts? How could a single word be translated persecute one place and press and press on 
in another place. Uh, and here's the answer. Put this in the overhead. Uh, the Greek word here, uh, uh, daelko, it literally means to pound or to pursue. Uh, I pound, I beat. Uh, and before Paul became a believer, uh, he was gathering up the Yeshua followers and pounding and pursuing them uh, towards death. But afterwards, when he becomes a believer, uh, now he's gathering up his whole self and pounding it, pushing it forcefully, intensely focusing it towards a single point. One thing, he says, I'm after one thing now. Look at Philippians 3, verse 14. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Messiah Yeshua. Now, Paul was always an intense person. But now as a believer, there's a whole new level of intensity, of focus. Paul says, in essence, I gather up my whole life and I push it towards serving and pursuing Yeshua and the power of his resurrection and the participation in his suffering. Now, this concept of pressing on intensely is something taught in a number of places in the Bible. So, for example, in Matthew 11, verse 12, Yeshua says, the kingdom of God suffers violence. Uh, and the violent bear it away, or, or violent men take it by force. Yeshua is saying the kingdom of God requires a type of violence. And only the violent receive it. Yeshua is talking about the same thing Paul's talking about here. And the overhead, uh, when Paul and Yeshua and the Bible say, what they're saying is this. The Yeshua-centered life is both caused by and results in a spiritual ferocity. A spiritual laser beam, uh, an intensity of focus uh, that causes a Yeshua, Yeshua follower to become a Yeshua follower and then makes you into this spiritually ferocious disciple. So, so there's a laser beam that causes you to pursue Yeshua, and then there's a laser beam that you yourself become. There's a holy violence. There's a spiritual aggressiveness. Uh, there's a vehement Yet, yet sweet and humble, but, but ferocity uh, that's brought to bear upon you, uh, that leads you to Messiah, and then which elicits the same response within you. A laser beam causes you to see Yeshua, and then makes you into its own likeness. That's what Paul's talking about here. He says, I grasp, I press. Why? Because I've been grasped, I've been pressed. Now, a lot of people, they may say, oh, yeah, well, I'm a believer. I was raised in it, uh, so I've always believed it. It's not that big of a deal to me. If that's your attitude, you're probably not a true Yeshua follower. Unless you felt some kind of spiritual aggressiveness come upon you and then elicit the same response within you, you probably haven't yet entered the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God suffers violence. Uh, and the violent take it by force. They forcefully enter in. The spiritually violent receive it. Now, some people say, well, well I believe that, that the messianic faith, that's a private thing. Uh, you know, one thing I hate uh, is all these born-again fanatics. They're always talking about Yeshua this, Yeshua that. Messianic faith, that's a private thing. I don't like to talk about it. I don't like to make a big fuss over it. It's for my own private life, and that's where it belongs. Now, that kind of statement assumes that Yeshua faith is simply a piece of your life. But Paul says here, no. A thousand times, no. To be a Yeshua follower means your entire life is gathered up and intensely focused and pushed on and pounded out toward a single point. 
Your whole life's about one thing, Yeshua. Your whole life is pushed into this one thing, Yeshua. And as a result, you become a person of enormous spiritual energy and power. Colossians one twenty nine, Paul says, To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Messiah so mightily works within me. My holy brothers and sisters, do you know anything of that? Or are you a passive person spiritually? Or just a casual person religiously? But true Yeshua faith is radical. There's an all or nothingness about it at the very core of it. And here in Philippians 3 is perhaps the very best place where this is explained. How and why Yeshua faith is so radical, so either or, so intense. Paul tells us two things here. So it's here in Philippians 3 verse 12. Not that I've already obtained it, or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Messiah Yeshua took hold of me. Well, the first taken hold of, it says here, uh, we, we, we're, we're, it says we're, we are the ones first taken hold of. Yeshua took hold of us. We're caused by a laser beam, if you will. And then secondly, we result in becoming a laser beam. We're caused, we're taken hold of, and therefore we take hold. We're grabbed, and therefore we grab. You see, there's two different take, take holds here in verse 12, in this one verse. I take hold, I grasp, I press on, I pound, I pursue. I take hold, but I take hold of that for which Messiah Yeshua has taken hold of me. My pressing on is caused by Messiah Yeshua pressing on. I take hold because Messiah took hold of me. Look on the overhead here. Yeshua doesn't take hold of me because I took hold of him. I take hold of him because he took hold of me. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have to cooperate. You do. You must humble yourself and repent and respond in faith and trust in Messiah. But you're only able to do this because Yeshua first drew you to himself and revealed himself to you. That's why Paul says here in Philippians 3, I put no confidence in the flesh, he says. Look at Philippians 3, 9. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from obeying the Torah, but that which is through trusting in Messiah. A righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. We have no righteousness in our own, in our flesh. Our only righteousness is through faith in Messiah. So Yeshua faith isn't something you just decide one day to take up. Uh, No, it's something that takes you up. Yeshua faith doesn't start with you. It starts upon you. And And then you must respond in faith. Do not harden your heart in rebellion. You must respond by humbling yourself and repenting. The Lord says in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, I've set before you today life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life that you may live. You know, in America today, and especially through the Internet, you've got an almost unlimited range uh, of religions and philosophies uh, and enrichments and self-improvement options available to you. You can take up all sorts of self-improvement classes. You can get into therapy with a counselor. You can explore a new age cult or or Scientology. You can study Eastern religions like like Buddhism uh, or or Hinduism. But I tell you what all these things, as disparate as they are, all these things have in common. All of them 
They all say this. It starts with you. They all say, do you want enrichment? Do you want self-improvement? Do you want a mystical experience? Do you want inner power or inner peace? You must take hold. It starts with you. If you take hold of, of such as uh, by subscribing to these beliefs or taking up this practice or, or doing this meditation or beginning this type of, of disciplined behavior, uh, if you take hold, then these things will happen. Uh, then your life will improve. Uh, then you'll reach nirvana. Yeshua faith is totally different. It's the exact opposite. It's not based on human effort, on confidence in the flesh, uh, uh, on works righteousness. It's not man-centered. It's not you-centered. The gospel says you can't become a Yeshua follower simply by making yourself one in the energy of your own flesh. You must be born again from above, from the Holy Spirit. You can make yourself a Scientologist or or a hedonist uh, or humanist or Marxist uh, or Stoic uh, or Mormon or Buddhist or, or Muslim or Hindu. But the Bible says you can't make yourself a Yeshua follower. Paul says, I grasp, I take hold, I become intense, only because intensity has come down upon me. Now, three questions typically arise here when I say something like this. Uh, I grasp because I've been grasped. First question, does this mean that every believer has to have some kind of dramatic conversion experience? And their answer is no, not at all. People become Yeshua followers from different histories, variety of histories, at different ages, uh, with disparate backgrounds. Some become believers through a dramatic crisis. Yes, uh, like Paul and his Damascus Road experience. Others become Yeshua followers calmly and simply uh, and seemingly easily. There's also a variety of temperaments people have. You know, some people uh, come to faith emotionally. Why? Because they're emotional people. Others come to faith very deliberately and rationally, carefully thinking things out, because that's their temperamental makeup. Well, what do they all have in common? This. A Yeshua follower who is someone who is aware that a power from outside has come upon you. A Yeshua follower is not someone who says, well, I just decided to pick it up one day, try it out, now I've taken hold. No. A Yeshua follower or someone who's aware that you've been taken hold of. That there's someone after you. And it was very true in my own life, looking back. For example, why did I pray as an eight-year-old kid for God to show me whether or not Yeshua was real? Eight-year-old Jewish kid praying about Yeshua. <laughs> uh, why did the kids in my middle school hand me these chick tracks? And why was I fascinated to read them, these comics about Yeshua? Why was I drawn to read parts of the New Testament in high school where I had to secretly hide it from my parents because it wasn't allowed in our house? Why was I drawn to the only Christian in my entire otherwise secular college fraternity? The invisible hand of God was drawing me quietly, unnoticeably, all my life. The hound of heaven was pursuing me. Now, would I resist or would I allow myself to be caught? We each have to answer to the Lord one day for the choices we make and for the opportunities that we spurn. But the fact remains that if you're a believer, it's because the Spirit of the Lord drew you. 
He was after you and pursued you and wooed you. He was after you night and day. It's no longer uh, that, that, that you're taking it up, but something has taken you up. If you're a believer, at some level, you sense this. Now, most people, of course, don't realize this until after they've become a believer. They say, you know, it was my decision, I took it up. But it's only after you become a Yeshua follower, you look back and you trace out the history and you realize, I never would have become a Yeshua follower unless somebody was after me. And that's what Paul's saying here in Philippians 3, verse 12. You're not a Yeshua follower unless you have been invaded from the outside. Unless you sense the Lord is after you. Uh, he's dealing with you. His love is pursuing you. So you might ask, okay, uh, you may say, let's ask, here's a second question. If it's not necessarily a dramatic conversion experience all the time, oh, then how do I know if perhaps it's happening to me, maybe right now? If it's not always dramatic, how do I know that God's drawing me? Oh, how do I know I'm the object of his laser beam? And the answer is, look at Paul. Look here in Philippians 3.12. Paul's talking about pressing on to take hold of Yeshua. He's essentially saying, I'm trying to grasp that which has grasped me. And what that means is, the way you know you are the object of God's spiritual intensity is that you become intense yourself, like a laser beam. You become focused on seeking the Lord. Ask, my, ask yourself, would you describe yourself in this way? Am I seeking him? Now, you might have been religious before, but it was nominal or casual or peripheral. Or maybe before it was focused on external rules and regulations and rituals. Or it was self-focused. You know, it on yourself and self-improvement and personal peace. But when you're being grasped, when you're being taken hold of by Messiah, you start to think either or. You say, either there is a God, and Yeshua is his son, the Messiah, and if so, he's the only thing that matters. A relationship with him is the only thing, the ultimate thing that matters. Or, or there is no God, and if there is no God, everything's going to burn up anyways, and therefore nothing really matters at all. Either or. That's the kind of revelation that starts to happen, and revolution that starts to happen to you. You begin to realize it's all or nothing with the Lord. There is no in-between. Yeshua is just some great teacher. No, that's not an option. Uh, there is no lukewarm. And so ask yourself right now, has that happened to me? When you start to say, if God is, if Yeshua is who he says he is, that's all that matters. What's going on? Your life's being gathered up. It's being focused and pressed forward towards one point. That's how you know Yeshua is drawing you. The spiritual intensity comes upon you. And your past casualness and indifference is replaced by an insatiable longing and hunger and searching for God. You used to say, we mentioned it's just a private thing. That attitude is now gone. It has to be gone. The way you know that you're the object of God's spiritual intensity is that you develop your own. The casualness is over. The indifference is over. Spiritual seeking is just some kind of hobby is over. Coming to shul only when you feel like it is over. 
You may be religious, but you are not a Yeshua follower until you sense this coming upon you, that someone is after you. That's the second question and answer. Here's the third. You may ask, well, if a, if a Messiah, if a Messianic believer is someone who is the object of God's spiritual intensity, uh, why isn't God going after everybody that way? And all I can say to this, that question is this. Relax. In John chapter 21, Yeshua comes to Peter, and in essence he says to Peter, you're going to die a martyr's death. Uh, you're not going to die a natural death. Uh, you're going to be killed for your faith. And Yeshua, in essence, is telling Peter his future. Telling Peter his story. And Peter looks at Yeshua, and he says in John 21, 20, Peter turned, and then he saw the disciple whom Yeshua loved following them, which is John. And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? I want to know his story, too. Why do I have to die? Uh, why, why doesn't he have to die, too? Is he going to be also be a martyr? A martyr? And if not, why not? And then in verse 20, John 21, 22, Yeshua answers, If I want him to remain until I return, what's that to you? You follow me. And the overhead, uh, in this, this famous Narnia chronicle called The Horse and His Boy, Aslan, the lion, who's the Yeshua figure, at one point says this. He says, Child, I only tell you your story, not anybody else's. No one is told any story but their own. And here's what Yeshua is saying. And here's what Aslan is saying. And here's what I'm trying to say on the overhead. Don't be so upset and concerned about finding out everybody else's story that you miss the sweetness and the truth for you. In the overhead, what is the sweetness? Paul says, if you grasp, it's because you're being grasped. Any grasping after Yeshua, any yearning at all that you have, any dissatisfaction with your spiritual condition, if you say, I would really love to know God, have a personal relationship with Him, I would love to pursue Him, do you realize those desires are impossible unless God is already at work within you, calling you to come to Him, to submit your life to Him, to enter into His joy? And that's sweet. God's love is always prior to your grasping. Always. Now, you need both. You must respond in faith. But if you do, know it's because God has already placed his love upon you. And don't stumble over what he's doing or maybe not doing with others. He only tells you your story. Nobody else's. You know, in Luke 15, we got the famous parable of the prodigal son. Prodigal son, he's been rebellious, a profligate, a immoral, a fool. And then he comes back to his senses, decides to repent and come back to his father. Uh, uh, but he, but uh, he's scared. You know, what will his father do? What will his father say? Now, does the father sit back, tapping his foot on the porch, waiting for his son to grovel before him? No. Upon seeing the son return, the father runs to the son embraces him, kisses him, receives him, even before the son gets the first words of repentance out of his mouth. Do you know what that means? The father's love brings the repentance. The repentance does not bring the father's love. Do you want to repent? Do you have an interest in Yeshua? Do you have a yearning 
to know God? If so, that is the Spirit of God drawing you to himself. Don't worry, will he accept me? Don't you see? You can only care about him if he already cared for you. So, so if you if you come to him in sincerity, don't worry about whether he'll accept me or not. You love him only because he first loved you. Paul says, I grasp because I've been grasped. I take hold because I've been taken hold of. Do you see the sweetness of that? If God's grace, it's God's grace and mercy and compassion being poured out on you. Go for this amazing adventure that God has for you, that God has waiting for you. You know, in all the best stories, the hero, the protagonist, he's never after the adventure. The adventure finds him. In all the best stories. So, for example, here's a nice Edwardian family. The Darling family. Kids are Wendy, Michael, and John. They're asleep. That's a typical family. They're not looking for adventure. But the nursery door opens. And a figure from another world, Peter Pan, comes in. And he captures their hearts. And he wicks, wicks them away to this amazing adventure in Never Never Land. The best kind of adventure. <laughs> You're not looking for it. It comes after you. Same thing in The Hobbit, right? Bilbo Baggins, he's not looking for adventure. It comes after him. Do you know what a Yeshua follower is? Someone from another world has come through the nursery door. You were not looking for him. You weren't asking for him. He finds you and captures your heart and whisks you away to another world, another life, another kingdom, and bids you to die, to die to your former way of life. You enter into this incredible adventure as a member of his eternal kingdom. Do you sense any of this? Or are you saying, David, I don't know what you're talking about. I go to shul. I believe in all the historic creeds. I've done this for years, but what are you talking about? If that's your reaction, then I'm talking about a kingdom that you have not entered into yet. Real Yeshua faith is your maker making you over again. It's the spirit of Messiah moving across the face of the deep saying, let there be light. You will know it if you're an Yeshua follower because you've been taken hold of. There's a second kind, another kind of take hold in this passage as well, right? There's two take holds. That was the first one. Uh, the second one, though, is your take hold. Being a Yeshua follower is not a passive thing. It's not just closing your eyes and surrendering to God. And he does everything else through you, uh, and you're not actively involved. No. That's not what Paul's saying. That's not what I'm saying. There's unbelievable energy. There's unbelievable exertion here. Look at the second kind of take hold in, the, in this text. Not only are you taking hold of, but you take hold. The way you know Yeshua has taken hold of you is that you become a spiritual laser beam yourself. Now, what does that mean? That a Yeshua follower becomes characterized by this intense focus that you're the one now who takes hold. Well, there's two parts to it. A Yeshua follower is someone whose entire life has now been reoriented 
toward a single goal, a single point, to know Yeshua and be found in him. And then it's pushed out towards this one goal. And that means there's two parts to being a Yeshua follower. Number one, your entire life is gathered up. Your entire life is reoriented. And then number two, it's pushed toward a single spot, a single point. So first of all, your whole life is reoriented. Apostles Philippians 3 verse 7. But wherever it gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Messiah. Becoming a Yeshua follower is not simply to assent to certain truths. You know, some people think to be a believer is to study the doctrines of the gospel and the New Testament and add this knowledge and agree to these propositions and these tenets. Others say, I know what Messiah faith is all about. Uh, and maybe one day I'll be a follower. I know it's good to love God. I know it's good to love my neighbor. I know it's good to be honest. One of these days I may apply this to my life. But this is not what the scriptures say. The scriptures say being a Yeshua follower is not an addition of knowledge. And it's not even an application of knowledge. The scriptures say this, 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone's in Messiah Yeshua, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. The scripture says you're not a Yeshua follower unless your entire life is revolutionized and that you see everything differently now. Everything about you, everything about the world, everything is changed. You're not a Yeshua follower unless you've experienced this gathering up. Your whole life has been gathered up and is now facing in a different direction. So, for example, Paul was a Pharisee, an extremely moral person. Before he became a Yeshua follower, he knew that lying was wrong. And he usually didn't, but occasionally he did. And after he becomes a Yeshua follower, he knew lying was wrong, and he usually didn't, but occasionally he did. So you say, well, then where's the big change? But for Paul, it was indeed completely different. He would say, I look at honesty now in a completely different way. My motive, my view, my drive, everything. Paul says in verse 9, I don't have a righteousness of my own. He says, the reason I'm honest now is totally different. It's utterly different. You know, when I was a Pharisee, I knew it was wrong to lie. And I tried not to. But you want to know why I was honest? I was honest to earn merit. I was honest because I wanted to feel good about myself. I was honest because I wanted to be my own savior in order to earn favor with God. Uh, I was honest to put God in my debt. I was honest so that I could keep control of my life, so that I could feel superior to other people, so that I could make demands about God and talk about my rights because I was such a good person. I did not have to utterly throw myself on God's mercy. Why? Because I was already a good person. But now, he says... I see totally differently. I see that no one can love God enough. No one can love God as he ought. No one loves God with all their heart and mind and soul and strength. And that the only way we can be saved is through grace. I can only be saved because Yeshua lived the life that I should have lived. And he died the death that I should have died. And he paid the penalty that I could never pay. And if I repent... And I trust in him and submit my life to him that I'm accepted by his sheer grace. And Paul says, because of that spiritual rebirth, 
That transformation, that regeneration, that making me above a new creation. I'm now honest for completely different reasons than I was before. I look at honesty totally differently now. You know why I'm honest now? Uh, why, why I grasp after honesty, he says? Because I've been grasped. Why am I honest? Because I've already been saved by grace. I am honest out of love and gratitude and out of a transformed new creation heart. Do you see the difference? Look at the overhead. As a Pharisee, he says, God takes hold of me because I first take hold of him. But as a Yeshua follower, he says, I take hold of God only because he first took hold of me and gave me a new heart and wrote his law on my inward parts, which means now everything is different. Everything. The way I look at honesty, the reason why I'm honest, it's all different, everything. Uh, and because Paul must use everything about himself so differently, his motive for everything is different. Look at the overhead again. It's not a longer a way for getting saved, but it's grateful joy for being saved. Because he looks at himself differently in every regard. Everything now about his life is different. How does a Yeshua follower, for example, look at other people? Uh, when Paul was a Pharisee, those people that were better than him, he was intimidated by. And the people beneath him who didn't have all the right practices and views, he despised. We see this today, for example, in our own society. If someone opposes your biblical views, they don't just disagree with you. They despise you. They want to censor you and cancel you and call you names and even threaten you. You refusing to endorse their modern-day orthodoxy offends them. They don't just think you're wrong. They view you as inferior to them. Uh, uh, and they smugly feel superior to you and more virtuous than you. And they no longer even want to tolerate you and your biblical viewpoint. But when you become a Yeshua follower, and you come to someone who's different from you than you are, you know what happens, or at least what should happen? Well, first of all, you realize you are saved purely by God's grace. So you don't feel better than anybody else. You know you're not better. You're not superior. Because you too are a sinner. And you too will be heading towards this destruction, utter destruction, but for the grace of God. So you don't despise anyone. Because you know that you too are a sinner saved by grace. And for the ones who are better than you, you know that the Messiah, you're completely accepted. So you're not jealous of them. You're not intimidated by them. So suddenly there's a whole different attitude towards people. You can't despise anyone or be intimidated by anyone. Now maybe you say, well, I'm a believer, but I can't honestly say this is true of me yet. That's because you haven't yet gathered up your whole life. You haven't become a laser beam. You haven't applied the gospel to every area of your life. The gospel gathers up every part of your life. Your attitude towards other races, your attitude towards your parents, your attitude towards your business, your understanding of sex, your view of your possessions and your money. Everything has changed. Everything. You say, well, I know a lot of self-proclaimed believers. Their lives haven't changed much at all. Well, they haven't responded yet then. They haven't gathered it all up. Well, someone says, this sounds all too fanatical. All, all this intensity stuff. Do you want us all to become fanatics, David? Well, yes and no. 
Yes, I want you to become sold out to Yeshua. But no, I don't want you to be obnoxious and purposely offensive. The problem with these people actually is that they're not fanatical enough. They're not fanatically humble. They're not fanatically kind. They're not fanatically gentle. They're not fanatically peaceful. So the problem with these obnoxious fanatics isn't that they're too intense. They're not intense enough. They haven't gathered up all their life up into Yeshua. They're not bearing the fruits of the Spirit because they haven't taken up their entire life and redirected it through the gospel. The gospel completely reorients everything. So their problem is that they're not intense enough. They're just imbalanced in their intensity. Well, someone else says, well, if you need to be this intense, aren't you always going to be anxious and worried and always uptight and uh, never relaxed? No, not at all. Do you know what happens to you when you realize there's only, only one thing that's important? To live for and to praise and worship the one who saved you. Paul says there's only one thing important anymore. Look at Philippians 3 verse 8. The surpassing worth of knowing Messiah Yeshua my Lord and being found in him. I want to know Messiah. Paul says I want to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his suffering. That's so how you look at everything now that, you, that used to upset you. You say, these things are no longer all important to me. Until you start to relax. So let's say your child's crying. So you say, honey, why are you crying? Well, I had this penny and I lost it. And you try to comfort them. You say, you're not some kind of penniless orphan. This wasn't your life savings. (laughs) I'm here for you. I'm your father. I provide for you. And so today, are you despondent? Are you disconsolate about anything? Don't you realize if you're a Yeshua follower that everything you can lose is just pennies? And what is that when you've got Yeshua? Paul says, everything I counted as profit, I now consider loss. Everything else pales in comparison to the surpassing worth of knowing Yeshua and abiding in him. He is my peace, my shalom. He is my joy, my longing, my ecstasy, my love. So everything is being gathered up in the gospel. A Yeshua follower isn't someone who just adds knowledge or or applies some truth. A Yeshua follower is someone to whom all things have now become new. Everything you see is new. Everything is pushed towards that one point, that one goal, that one thing. Philippians 3.14, Paul says, I press on for the goal of the, uh, toward the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Messiah Yeshua. Paul calls it the prize. What's the prize? He said, he tells us, Philippians 3.10, the prize is to know Messiah. And sometimes this happens. Sometimes you sense you're not alone. It's him. And you know he's present. And he's speaking to you. Not in an audible voice, but deep within your soul. And the truth shines out of you. And and the fears fall away. Or your guilt falls off. Or maybe your smugness and your pride falls off. You are experiencing the presence of God, knowing him, not just knowing about him, but actually sensing his presence, having him speak to you, so that the truth just shines out, oh, and, and, and it's awesome. Oh, it's even a traumatic experience. It can disturb you. It can convict you. 
It can strengthen you and, and reassure you. It can elate you. <laughs> but what is it? It's knowing Him. Now finally, how do you know you've actually had this experience of His presence? How do you know you've moved beyond the mechanical and the intellectual uh, and just being a good person to really knowing Him? What does Paul tell us? Philippians 3 verse 12. It says, not that I've already obtained all this. Or I've already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Messiah Yeshua took hold of me. Paul says, I haven't obtained it yet. This is the Apostle Paul saying he hasn't obtained it. <laughs> the one who's founded dozens and dozens of congregations all over the Roman Empire. The one who wrote half the New Testament. And yet he's radically dissatisfied with his level of knowing God. He says, I haven't arrived. I press on to take hold of more and more of God. On the overhead. The way you know that you know God is that you have a consuming passion to know him more. You know, your stomach eventually will tire of food. It eventually gets filled up. On the overhead. The heart never gets enough of the beloved. The heart in love never gets enough of the beloved. And this is how you know you know that you've come to know him. You want more. You want more of God more than anything else. My holy brothers and sisters, is this true of you? Ask yourself. If it's not, ask yourself, what's holding me back? If you're not a, a true Yeshua follower, uh, if you are a true Yeshua follower, then you know something of this passion for the Lord. Uh, and if he's not your all-consuming heart's desire today, ask yourself, what's getting in my way? Is it lethargy? Indifference? Are the priorities being, being more important to me? Uh, am I mad at, about, at God about something? Are there idols in my life that are competing for, for God's, for the allegiance of the Lord? Is there unconfessed sin in my life? Bitterness, hatred, unforgiveness. Please know whatever your issue is, nothing is worth losing this. Everything else Paul says is rubbish, is dung, is crap, compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Messiah Yeshua and being found in him. Paul says this is the ultimate prize. And then Yeshua himself says this in John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Yeshua, the Messiah, whom you've sent. Knowing God is not just the goal of life, it is life. And Yeshua was sent so that you would have this life. Yeshua is the laser beam. Everything he did, his birth, his death, his torture, his suffering, his alienation from the Father on the cross... His whole goal was that you would know God. Not just believe in Him, but to know God. Experientially, existentially, personally, relationally. So how dare you settle for anything less? Yeshua is living for this one thing, that you may know Him. That's what He did it all for. That's what's available. You can know Him. My holy brothers and sisters, gather up your whole life in Yeshua. Focus on Messiah like a laser beam. Push on, press on towards the goal of the upward call of God in Messiah Yeshua.
Amen. Let's stand and pray. Hallelujah. Have the music team to come up. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for this word today in Philippians. Lord, we are done with being casual or lukewarm. We now have one single goal. I press on for the goal to win the prize of the upward call of God in you, Messiah Yeshua. Lord, I gather everything up. I gather up my whole life. And then I intensely focus it and push it and press it towards this one goal. The surpassing worth of knowing you, Yeshua, and being found in you. My number one, overriding, overwhelming, all-consuming priority and passion. And my longing and desire and purpose is to know you, Yeshua. I said, experientially, personally, relationally. To know you face-to-face. To know and walk in the power of your resurrection. The very power that, that raised you from the dead. And even to participate in your sufferings, in your passion. Lord, I pray today, give me a holy violence. A spiritual aggressiveness to pursue you. Let me be a ferocious follower of you, Yeshua. Lord, I grasp, I push, I press on, I take hold of you. To faithfully follow you wherever you lead me. Because I am yours. I'm your disciple. I confess, Yeshua faith, it's all or nothing. And I declare my whole life, Lord, is about this one thing. You. You have captured my heart. And I run daily to pursue you and commune with you and worship you and spend time with you and to be with you. Heaven, Lord, to know you more and more each and every day. I know I haven't arrived. I am not satisfied with where I am. So I press on to take hold of you, Yeshua. Help me to know you more. To walk with you in holiness and obedience and faith and love. I pray this all in your name, Yeshua. Amen.